greetings and welcome to the seventh recording of the maritime law podcast where we discuss everything maritime law related thank you so much for joining us again it is such an honor to have you tuning in on our podcast we really appreciate it and your presence hasn't gone unnoticed we thank you so much for your participation we thank you so much for the likes for the shares and everything else in between today we're going to be talking about maritime uh, marine insurance and we can't wait to hear what prof Porsche has to say i'm excited about it and without any waste of time get on board and tune in hi prof hello sharon how are you today good thanks how are you I am good. It's good to talk to you again. It's been a while. (laughs) It's been a while. I'm glad that we're having this recording and this discussion. Absolutely. And um, yeah, uh, I think we had previously discussed that today we would talk about insurance. And um, yeah, you know, uh, today I actually... Uh, was informing you that I had a bit of an accident and for someone who's not really accident prone I was quite in shock and so I definitely (laughs) had to deal with the topic today on a more serious level and I'm just grateful that you know I didn't get hurt and I'm able to be in this podcast you know so thank goodness for that yes absolutely thank goodness for that uh i'm so sorry about about the incident um i wanted to say thank you so much for availing yourself to do these podcasts with me i understand that you are absolutely busy and i do not take it for granted that you are on this platform to share with us your knowledge and you know your experience and expertise really really appreciate it it's an absolute pleasure uh, anywhere I can help. And actually, I end up being the one who, you know, benefits from this because I get to hear from young people. I get to ask, to hear and answer very interesting questions. And that's what being relevant is all about, is being open to learning and open to new information and just, you know, staying staying in the know. Uh, which is an ongoing task. But before we can actually reveal what we want to talk about, I just have a scenario that I I want to share with um, our listeners and also with you that's just to kickstart the conversation. Um, Mm -hmm. So this is the scenario, right? So you Mm -hmm. buy a truck and you conclude a transportation agreement with a company um, that purchased expensive machines to be used in developing an alternative solution to load shedding. So mm-hmm. while transporting these machines, your truck is involved in an accident, or rather in an incident, um, be it an actual accident or that it is hijacked. And now mm-hmm. the machines are damaged and or alternatively stolen. Mm-hmm. What is the first thing that crosses your mind as a truck owner in this instance. You have expensive things that have just been damaged or lost and 
you are just a truck owner mm, mm. yeah for of course the first thing you're thinking about is is liability and whether you have booked that risk you know uh with an mm. insurer who is ready to absorb that risk because you know you're talking about machinery that could help with load shedding are you kidding me that's <laughs> like a, a very big solution that the whole country of south africa is uh, is wanting solutions for so uh, <laughs> you know and and especially with the supply chain you know still trying to catch up since covid and all those slowdowns in china and you know thinking about the production line how much it would have taken to wait for those machines and exactly. now they're lost and damaged yeah somebody has to think about how to manage that risk for sure absolutely and i'm i'm glad that um the first word you said was liability on my notes i literally wrote hopefully she says liability <laughs> 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 because then that ushers us perfectly into what we're talking about today which is insurance right so one of the best ways to um address issues of, of or rather manage liability and the risk that you get exposed to is by having insurance and as i've already stated that this is something that you are quite knowledgeable in which is marine insurance so a number of people would be able to relate to the scenario because a number of people are familiar with trucks and cars and everything and how the insurance in that space works and what mm-hmm. i've found is that it's not necessary although there are a bit of differences between um that type of insurance and the marine insurance but the basics are quite similar so that's why i wanted to start off with that um scenario so that our listeners can have a bit of a background and so so i can cover ground that they understand when we're talking about marine insurance what exactly we're talking about um and with that being said uh do you mind just giving us maybe a little bit of a summary of in the most simplified manner what is marine insurance So marine insurance. Um, okay, so marine insurance, I would say, is the grand ancestor of all insurance because okay. risk in the ocean has always been a reality, and so uh, it is a, an insurance contract in a sense that you have the insurance company or underwriter basically taking on. uh the risk in exchange for a premium uh mm-hmm. particularly when we say marine insurance we we're talking about uh basically uh covering all the risk that is likely to happen in instances of ocean trade or other activities and operations that actually take place on the water and usually marine insurance is an interesting one because it does also involve uh the aspects of marine insurance such as inland carriage 
as mm. well as other transportation mo- modes so whether it's intermodal or uh, multimodal um so there's definitely always going to be that risk in transportation so marine insurance usually extends to that and usually extends to warehousing as well uh, and mm-hmm. also air, air carriage you can also put all of that under marine insurance because you're still dealing with sort of uh basically making sure that your cargoes get to where they're supposed to go um, on time. Marine insurance uh, also traditionally is is there to cover the marine adventure. Usually there's going to be cargo, a ship that needs to be covered, as well as the persons working on board the ship they, that are, are going to need covering as well. So that's yeah. those are the sort of traditional branches of uh, marine insurance. Uh, marine insurance, interestingly enough, also uh, has been seen to when it comes uh, when it comes to issues of uh, general average, where there's uh, uh, imminent danger at sea, and then you know the captain makes a decision that the ship should be lightened, and so cargo is jettisoned, and whoever's benefited from that sacrifice in that incident. Um, has to basically pay towards that. So those are all the different sort of uh, aspects of what marine insurance is. But in a nutshell, you are insuring from the risk, from the operations and activities related to trade for the most part. Okay, that sounds um, that sounds more like a comprehensive cover. It sounds like it covers almost everything. Um, but there's, there's, there's one thing that I've, I've also found is that there are different kinds of marine insurance where you'd have your hull and machinery, you'd have your p uh, and also cargo cover. Uh, do you mind just giving us a little bit of a summary in terms of what is the difference between all of that and would you then say marine insurance is all-encompassing of all of that? You know how how would you break that down to someone who doesn't understand the t- different classifications of marine insurance? Great uh, question. So yeah, the answer to would all those classifications you've just mentioned be considered branches or be considered marine insurance? The answer is yes, because with hull and machinery you're making sure that the vessel which is the asset for the ship owner the asset for the shipper wants to make sure that the cargo gets abroad so the ship has to be fit and mm-hmm. it cannot simply it cannot be lost you know um, and if it is there has to be some type of uh, risk insurance for that so hull and machinery typically it also depends on you know which which uh which size where the ship is trading what type of ship it is because obviously a smaller vessel a fishing vessel is going to have very different hull and machinery um uh, consequences or, or aspects or operational requirements compared to like a big ocean freighter which trades on the on the on the in the blue sea and is very expensive to insure and so it usually mm-hmm. that hull and machinery will usually be um, divided among different underwriters who will all take a percentage of that insurance insuring that ship. Mm-hmm. Um, PNI insurance, in summary, is to cover 
the liability insurance, all the liabilities that could arise from operating the ship, for example, um, some fines, uh, some repatriation of, of sailors, some uh, wreck removal, pollution, mm-hmm. uh, some salvage operations, although salvage is, is, is especially covered and is mentioned usually in both cargo and and hull insurance and then the cargo insurance has to do with basically insuring the merchandise that is being uh, sold um, uh, on board and uh, yeah there's different types of contracts that you can take and usually ship owners nowadays will provide a a one-stop shop they will take your cargo make sure that you are covered so that you are not worried about any exposure in terms of risk um Mm -hmm. now when we talk about pni insurance pni insurance is extremely specialized even the way that is paid out uh is very specialized It's, it's a little different and uh, it also is typically not always but it's typically provided by club members uh ship owner club members who come together and show one another from the risks that and liabilities that come from operating a ship for example if you're a tanker owner you're always going to be concerned about uh pollution um yes. and and in law anyway you're supposed to carry enough insurance for that so usually the pni groups are quite a wonderful source for that wreck removal that pollution damage and, and things like that so that would be in a nutshell what uh you know to explain in a very simplistic way what those different branches of marine insurance are ah that's uh, that that makes so much sense you made you made mention of um that ship owners at the moment they act as a one-stop shop where they would offer you um you know all these type of insur- insurances my question is in what capacity do they normally offer these insurances for example with the cargo right would it be in the capacity of no we are actually agents and we will liaise with an insurance on your behalf and get a quote for the type of your cargo and in as much as we bring the quote to you and say this is that you know um an insurance company that we're working together with you as the cargo owner you are going to be somehow liable for the premiums or is it something that is already in the package whenever they are charging uh, a cargo owner to say uh, we will cover you everything is covered this is just how much you need to pay and it's just a discussion between a ship owner and their own uh, insurer of choice uh that's a wonderful question actually because uh the fact that ship owners provide a one-stop shop it still means that you have to accept so so they definitely will sort of act as your agent to tell you okay you're exposed here you're exposed there but don't worry here is as insurance provider that we work with all the time you still have to accept that that the terms of those of that contract you still have to read it you still have to check it Uh, but because they know better about all these risks most uh, clients don't even have time to be looking at all the fine print so they just trust that whatever contracts that are recommended for risk management by the ship owners are 
are, are great and usually they are because um, obviously uh, ship owners want return clients they want uh, them to know that they don't have to have headaches about who they're going to get to insure them. They're going to use partners that they trust and, you know, that they've also had good experiences with because we are talking about millions of dollars in, you know, in trade, yeah. millions of dollars in risk, millions of dollars in liability. So, yeah. However, one of the interesting things about marine insurance mm-hmm. is that it is very a flexible or much more flexible because underwriters uh, uh, decide for themselves what the risk is and what premium should be paid as opposed to what is known as rated or regulated insurance where the government for example dictates what the premiums ought to be for example in the u.s there's rated insurance like your housing your car insurance companies have to declare their rates up front but as soon as you go into the ocean you cannot possibly do that because a tug is going to have different risk liability to a, a a massive MMS size, you know, uh, container carrier is going to have different requirements to a dry bulk carrier uh, to and then again, very different from gas to oil uh, carriers. So, um, yeah, so underwriters are going to look at their risk and they're going to think, hmm, we we believe that this risk is worth uh, or requires this premium to be paid. And no, they don't have to declare those premiums to the government necessarily. Yeah, so that's what's interesting. You have more flexibility and rightfully so. Honestly, from what I've seen in my experience, Mm -hmm. it might as well be that way because there are, for example, some barges, uh, there are different types of ships out there. I mean, for example, think about um, um, vessels that go out to put up the superstructures for wind windmills and wind farms they go yeah i mean we're talking about expensive assets for doing that and so if you want to work out what the premium is going to be and who's going to cover that underwriters must must be very very uh sure that the premium they've collected justifies the risk that they have taken for you yeah and i guess i mean that's just a, a weighing of what what do they call this um it's it's almost like you're quantifying the risk that you'll be exposed to as an underwriter by choosing to insure this type of vessel but then my question then is with regards to I, I do understand the whole aspect of them not having to declare it to like some sort of an authority but then um how then do we how do we then get to determine the whole concept of fair competition because i mean if if i am an underwriter and you bring your vessel to me and i'm like um pay me about 1.2 million dollars and and Mm -hmm. i have my own checklist that I have gone through to analyze that risk and to give mm-hmm. you or to quantify it and to say this is just how much I'm going to 
to charge you for that and somebody mm-hmm. else comes and says actually no i want 900k so mm. how yes i understand the whole concept of not having to justify why you you know um came up with this particular premium to some sort of a regulator but how does that then factor into the whole thing of fair competition in the industry great question so first of all uh, the market tends to balance itself out mm-hmm. so uh, this is why we do in my class a whole section on um insurance mathematics and insurance and then we look at the equations that are used by companies to work out whether they have enough to cover all their risk and whether they need reinsurance um to make sure that they can pay out all these risks that they've taken in light of the premiums that they've collected so what i'm saying is it is survival of the fittest when it comes to uh, <laughs> insurance out there now the 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 club the clubs the pni clubs are a little bit different because they are by nature mutual insurers so they're not looking to make big profits but there are underwriters who are you know uh stock trading for profit type of insurers and so mm-hmm. they they are thinking about their survival of their not only the survival of their companies and their ability to pay in times of disasters but they're also thinking about being competitive business wise and if they're going to have an edge in the marine insurance industry they will use that edge um and it great for them because that's more dividends for their shareholders you know um and you basically are not going to get a regulator to come to those industries and say oh you can only make so much money um, yeah oh you know yeah so and also the the types of risk geez i mean a, a brand new um LNG carrying ship a gas carrier you you could be looking at about 250 uh million just you know maybe even more now so if i say i want to insure something like that uh especially in light of all the risk management that we need to be thinking about right now i want to insure that i will make sure that i i charge as much as i need to and there shouldn't be an official government per se kind of like limiting me so much to to try and make it fair because i'm charging what i know is is first of all going to be acceptable to my clients and is going to make sure that i can pay out now another thing that also controls the industry is that nobody takes all the risk you know uh for for the ship no one just signs up to cover 250 million of risk i mean unless you are highly deep pocketed and you've done your statistical analysis your math and you believe that you can cover the entire risk and you can collect this massive premium all by yourself hoping that nothing will happen and maybe nothing does then you made all the money good for you but in general big risks like that are divided among various underwriters 
and syndicates so that ultimately so while it sure and seems like it's a competition but actually because of the massive amount of risk the the companies the underwriters are basically collaborating in a sense and definitely collaborating when it comes to pni insurance and actually pni insurance is wonderful it's it's actually kept the insurance uh, so the shipping industry going Okay. Okay, that's interesting. I have, uh, you know, um, I'm just thinking about because you spoke about how the marine insurance also covers the person that is on board, right? And I and I was and I would assume in this instance would be the people that the ship owner is responsible for, which would be the crew. Mm-hmm. I I can easily understand how an insurance or an undertaker no did i say an undertaker an underwriter (laughs) how an underwriter (laughs) would be able to pay out or would not really pay out but how they would be able to quantify how much they need to pay out for a specific claim that relates to the vessel itself because for an example let's say it's a highland machinery it's it's broken down you get the value of how much it is you're gonna have to you know spend in fixing it then the insurance can cover that um obviously taking out the excess amount and so on and so forth but in the instance where it is a human being on board and Mm -hmm. in an unfortunate event where this person passes away how do insurance companies determine what is equitable in that instance to pay out for the loss of this particular person that's a great question and it's an old legal question which we all you know this gosh we all know uh for example that in in sort of like in, in, uh, uh, lex mercatoria you know the law merchant there was once a time where you know body parts could be quantified for what they're worth in in dollar rates and things like that but you know thank goodness we are you know a better society in that we understand Mm -hmm. that when we are paying out for loss of life for injury illness we are not saying that we are replacing a person with cash we are saying there's just compensation however when it comes to pni the limits are declared up front okay yeah and especially for example um some some limits for example for covid covid required uh quarantining so some insurance some pni clubs actually just exclude quarantining altogether so they require the ship owner to be on their own and self-insure when it comes to things like that so it also also you have to look at your contracts what it covers and what it doesn't but yeah illness injuries definitely covered and sometimes the uh contracts will say uh up to a limit of a million dollars or whatever it is uh, and usually you know some of the claim uh, some of the limits are quite low you know um as low as a thousand five and fifteen hundred dollars for repatriation which means the balance of that mm-hmm. is it's paid by you uh, but where injury illness the limits are quite high 
um, for example, with COVID, what we saw insurers do is that they said, we are not going to say it's the full limit of the claim per incident of COVID. Because how many times can a person catch COVID? You know, then mm-hmm. are you saying you're going to claim every single time? And what if it's the entire crew that has COVID, for example? So insurance companies have come with much better phrasing to sometimes average out the claim between all of those claimants so that insurance companies uh sorry and pnr clubs and and the rest of them so that they do not fail during these massive claims um yeah so the answer the simple answer to that is that limits are declared up front and um when it comes to sort of uh civil if you sue for example uh for like loss of life for dependent spouses and and things like that and you sue or you hope to be settled that can also be done between you and the insurer for example we saw a lot of disasters where um after a court case has ensued uh members decide to settle with the insurance company within the discussion of what those limits are or they fight it out in court and then the judge orders what the appropriate compensation should be after they have looked at the liability um, weighing and apportioning of the parties that were involved okay that makes so much sense um i actually never thought they are the because and at the same time i just didn't even know how would one quantify the loss of an individual uh, that makes so much sense because i mean at the end of the day insurance companies as well they need to make sure that they are able to manage their risk uh, in insuring um, either people or ships and so on so i think from I my it. side this was this was quite informative i mean i am in the industry but there are so many things that you've spoken about today that I was just like, oh, I never really thought about it, you know. Um, and thank you so much. But before I, before we actually close, you made mention of the fact that marine insurance also encompasses inland carriage, right? Do you want to just touch on that a bit, just so that you? just bring it home in terms of how does it also affect that because at the beginning when you were explaining it you mentioned how it's um you know a grand ancestry of ocean uh, insurance and a lot of people at the moment you start saying ocean they're thinking of water and then now you're talking about inland how do the <laughs> marriage you know uh wonderful question actually um the idea there is that you always look at your contract. In fact, you and I know that what gives rights to parties is what they have intended to agree to, have expressed within writing, and have said what the limits will be. The idea with inland carriage and so on and so forth is that just because you've done the ocean leg of carrying the cargo abroad well what will happen to it while it's waiting you know within the free time before it gets collected 
what will happen while it is sitting in the warehouse what will happen when it's being taken from the warehouse for road haulage or rail or in or, or coastal carriage do you then say oh because the ocean side is now done we are no longer going to protect the the cargo no it's you 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 may add, add it just depends on where you are in the world there's like a clause that extends uh it's called warehouse to warehouse or there's some some have clauses such as the south american clause which also makes sure that cargo is still taken care of well after it you know leaves the ship so that's where that comes in and obviously uh air carriage is also included there because sometimes i mean you know um when you're shipping you're still going trans ocean just by air so obviously you have to think about how that fits in as part of marine insurance as well and so oh. that's how it works out yeah no thank you so much um i think just to add in closing on my side is in my line of work we deal a lot with these type of claims you know mm. um for example where a client comes to us because I'm, I'm with the freight um freight and forwarding and customs clearing agents so when a customer comes to us and they say oh we need goods transported from china to south africa mm. but Africa is like the destination is not Durban, the destination is Johannesburg, but Correct. the goods will be transported by a, a, a vessel. So the responsibility does not necessarily end when the goods are now being offloaded or discharged at the port. It carries on up until the goods are discharged at the specified destination, which would be Durban, I mean, which would be Joburg, and that leg from Durban to Joburg will always be inland. And it's 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 um it's quite important, like you said, to have the goods insured from the inception of the voyage all the way until they are discharged. So uh, thank you so much, Prof, for today. Yes. It was absolutely amazing. Uh, very informative, quite long, and I hope that our listeners will be very um, gracious to us um, and actually have a listen to it, the entire episode, because it's absolutely informative, absolutely amazing. You just gave us a free lecture here, like this, this is a whole module. <laughs> Actually, all I'm thinking about is, oh, I have so many books to recommend you guys. Like, <laughs> I feel like there's more to this. Uh, but yeah, so thank you so much, Sharon. It's been a great discussion with you. Thank you. So just to close it off, um, you can still give those book recommendations. We'll just put them in the description. Excellent. All right. Yes. All right. Thank you so much, Prof. This was amazing. Have a wonderful night. I know that you're in South Africa, so have a great night. Thank you so much. Same to you, Sharon. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. It was amazing and I've learned quite a lot and I hope that also you at home have learned quite a lot about marine insurance. 
and you understand how liability in the maritime industry is actually covered so stay tuned for the next episode we really appreciate your support and this is like professor has said the little that we can do in sharing the knowledge that we have so we hope that you enjoy it till next time bye